Welcome back, Action Alerts Plus subscribers and AAP podcast listeners. Chris Versace here. And once again, I am joined by the Street Smarts One, the only hot toddy C, better known as Todd Campbell. And we're coming to you moments after uh, Fed Chair Powell's latest press conference, after which the Fed, as widely expected, boosted interest rates by 25 basis points, taking them somewhere between 500 and 525 basis points. Yes, we're talking about exiting the May policy meeting. Todd, always good to talk with you. Any, any, uh, I would say, Todd, did anything blow your hair back? But that might, you know, that might not always work for some people. I don't have a lot of hair to be blown back, Chris. You know that. I know that. I know that. And, and hey, I'll, Chris, I'll tell you what. Great to be back. Uh, always, always fun having you, Todd. No one needs to know about my hair and the expanding spot in the back. Um, so, you know, let, let let me just lay out the conversation real quick. You know, no real surprises. The market was expecting 25 basis points. But what kind of caught me off guard was about 21 minutes in, and I forget the question, um, you know, Powell made the comment that the road to 2% is not likely to be a smooth process. We may be at this, quote, for a while. And then later on, at around the 37-minute mark, Powell said along the lines of, uh, based on the forecast that we see, time to get to 2%, we don't see any rate cuts ahead. So to me, that, that says at a minimum, we might stay where we are, possibly go higher as the Fed embraces data-dependent. Powell did say, no, no, we're not telegraphing a pause. We're just going to be watching all the data that comes in, including something that we've been sharing with AAP subscribers, which is the impact of tighter credit. And I, the last thing I'll say, and then I'll let you jump in, Todd, is uh, you're, I guess, somewhere in your top 10 favorite reports. You've probably marked your calendar for May 8th yep. for this next report that will show what loan officers are doing. Yeah, and we've talked about that in, a, in the past on, on the show. Uh, that SLU's report, Survey of Senior Loan Officers, that comes out, they always have that ready and, and they can, you know, for the, these meetings so they can use what's said by the bankers to help inform policy. He was asked about it on the in his presser and he really didn't bite. Someone had asked the question, okay, in the January uh, survey, 40-something percent of bankers said they were tightening standards. Uh, and you know, what does it look like now? <laughs> and, uh, and he was like, Nope, not going to tell you, yeah, you're yeah. going to have to wait until May 8th, but we know what's going to be in that. It's going to be, it's going to be ugly. I, I would be shocked, shocked, Chris, if that was anything other than ugly. I really would be. I, I, I don't see, I mean, I, I think you're hundred percent right. You know, it was tightening beforehand. We've talked about this. Then you had one, two, we're up to three bank failures, Todd. It has to go tighter. And I I, I do think, and I, I wrote this to members, that this is gonna give, you know, the Fed a chance to kind of sit back and assess uh, not only what they've done themselves, 500 basis points in just about a year or so, but also digest what's unfolding and see, you know, let it do the work for them. I hate to say that, but that's probably what we're going to see. He also said, Chris, that he, in his view, he doesn't, in his, he's not modeling for a retreat back to, like you said, towards the 2% anytime soon. He's not, I don't, I feel like they whistled past the bank crisis. They are whistling past it. They are, I don't want to say they're ignoring it. He did not really want to bite that, that standards are tightening and, and are the equivalent 
as Goolsby uh, has suggested, 25 to 50 basis points. I, I don't know. We're over 5% now, Chris. That's that's a significant number. I mean, if you look at where we are, if you say the inflation expectation is going to be 3% a year out, and we're at 5%, 2% above that, we, that's restrictive. That is very restrictive. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I think that they're going to make a mistake yet again. Uh, it's entirely possible. I mean, we won't know for a little while, right? I think, look, I'm not surprised given all the data that came out. You know, Powell mentioned the March core PCE being up, you know, year over year. But even earlier this week, Todd, you know, um, we had uh, comments out of the uh, April PMI reports for both uh, manufacturing and services from both S&P Global and ISM talking about how inflation pressures had resumed in the month of April. And then we turn around and we see that, I mean, holy cow, was that ADP employment number hot? Almost double what the market was looking for. So look, I, I understand what you're saying. I do. But one of the things that I've been a little concerned about is if the economy does not go into a recession, it likely means that the inflation fight is going to take longer. And so far, so far, that's what we've seen. He spent a ton of time talking jobs, a ton of time. There is no doubt in my mind, Chris, that he is convinced that the job market is giving them plenty of room to stay higher for longer. But did you see what he said, though? I think it was the um, the reporter from Bloomberg who was really digging into this. And he and then at the end, he, they're talking about wage inflation. He goes, but but I'm not saying wage inflation is the only factor keeping inflation high. So I, I, I thought it was kind of interesting that he, he tried to walk that back just a little bit. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, believe I he that you listen to that conference call. OK, let's go back. Let's back. Yeah, up. yeah. Ahead, look, look at the language changes. Okay, so there's a little bit of something for everybody in this, in 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 what was said. I think the people who were very bullish in expecting this to be the last one got very little support for this to be the the, the, the guaranteed last one. guaranteed last yeah. one. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they they did swap out some language mm -hmm. that was you know more policy might be necessary or something like, like that. Yeah, yeah. They swapped that out to now we're going to be more to to double down on the data dependent part of it. Mm -hmm. um, we have to remember that you know the next meeting soon. Is, yeah, there's not a lot of time between now and the next meeting. I don't know what's going to change dramatically in the jobs front, which seems again to be a very big focus for him um, to make him think. And I don't think on the inflation front, and you know, maybe PC will give us some some better take on that. But if you look at CPI, the shelter component of that that's keeping CPI high, we're probably really not going to start to see that benefit, meaning that they'll start to, you know. Inflation will start to come down because of the shelter until maybe late in the third quarter, right? Yeah. I mean, we're not gonna. So, so what's gonna happen between now and the next hike? Maybe they maybe they pause for a month and they get two months of data and then we go back to July. But I did just look, Chris, just because I was curious to see what the reaction was right out. So I looked at the CME Group's FedWatch tool to get a feel. Uh oh. And what's it say, Todd? Okay, we're at five to five and a quarter now. What's it? What's it say for December? Well, hold on. A month, a month ago, the odds of us going to five and a quarter to five fifty in June, so next month, 
mm-hmm. were just 3%. Yesterday, it was 0%. Today, 15%. Okay, well, and, so, and, and that's early, right? The meeting is still going on. Yeah, I mean, this will adjust. This will be adjust. But I mean, again, you didn't see a knee-jerk reaction to say, yeah, we're paused. So hang on. So go go back to what I asked you. What do you see for December? Because the last time I looked, there were a couple of rate cuts between the September and December meeting. Yeah, and there still are. I mean, if I look at September, 47% is the highest probability, and that's at 475 yeah. To five. So walking back the 25 beefs we just got. So so while you're November, talking 43% is the highest at 450. So that's two cuts. And then December, 425 to 450. So that's conceivably three cuts of 0.25 each. So let, let me let me pose a question to you, Todd, because I, I grapple with this, right? We see the data, you know, that we just talked about a little while ago. We understand that there is tighter credit. Okay, fine. That will be measured. We'll have a better sense on May 8th. But what's going to take for the market expectation to move the CME Fed tool closer towards what Powell was communicating, i.e. rates? Not the likely scenario. I mean, it's because I, I, I struggle with this. Yeah, I mean, really, it would have to be stronger. It would have to be strengthening the argument that we're going to avoid recession. Because I think that these rate cuts are being priced in on the assumption that in the third quarter, we will be in a recession. So in order for them to back off, the Fed's going to have to come riding in on its white horse to the rescue. Um, I think you would have to basically, you know, get more and more convinced that we're going to soft landing. Yeah, well, and then we're going to basically touch down at zero percent, stay right about about zero percent, and then reaccelerate. And you know, I mean, we might talk about this anyways, Chris. But I mean, earnings. I mean, the results have been not bad, and we have seen an uptick in revisions for so, the remainder of 2023. So maybe that's what it'll be. So, I think that the um, I think you're right on that. You know, the, the issue is that, you know, as far as far back as the March minutes, you know, the Fed is expecting up to a mild recession, right? They they called it out in their meeting minutes. But I agree with you. So far, the economic data, the economy is holding up better, longer than expected. You know, six months ago, people were saying, oh, we'll be in a recession by, you know, the middle of uh, 2023. We're almost there. Not there yet. I think the last I looked, don't hold me to it, the ADP GDP now model, I think, has it like somewhere between 1.1 and 1.8% for the current quarter. So, I mean, holding up better than expected compared to that 1.1% initial print that we had for the March quarter. And you are right, Todd. Earnings have been holding up a little better than expected, especially more recently. I've noticed that. So maybe earnings are, you know, but the but the issue, though, is, you know, so far for the year, it looks like those expectations, you know, yeah, they're not up 10, 11 percent, not even up 8 percent like they were last September. So maybe they're up a percentage point, maybe two. But I, I, I don't think we're going to have a real sense until, honestly, we get through uh, the June quarter earnings season. Well, you know, and it's funny, I, I was just thinking about it. I went back and looked at the facts data for last week. And yes, we did see an uptick in, well, for one, 
coming into the quarter, they were expecting first quarter EPS to be down 6.7% for the S&P 500 companies. Now it's 3.7%. Thanks a lot to Amazon outperforming for what people had expected. Um, Q2, however, has worsened. And I think that now they're looking for 5% year-over-year decline in earnings in Q2, down from 47 So there is a lot of fluctuations right now in analysts trying to figure out what is going to happen. Are we really bottoming on earnings? Are we going to see it? And if so, you know, if we're bottoming, then okay, maybe some higher valuation is okay because P can expand at the early part because people stocks bottom before earnings do, right? So P will rise a little bit before earnings do, and then earnings will play catch up. But I, I yeah, this is we're a lot of mixed messages here. Totally agree. Does it uh, engender, Todd, what we tend to hear about the month of May? Sell in May and go away? I wrote an article for Smarts last night talking about uh, should you sell in May? Not necessarily. You know, I mean, there's it's very easy to say, well, sell in May over the last five years on average wasn't wise. And I get that. Um, that was something that Carly put together. And I, and I agree that, you know, it, no, there are no certainties and no guarantees. When it comes to seasonality, it's all about probabilities and tendencies. And I think that's where people go wrong. They think it's all in or all out based on some sort of seasonality probability. And it's not. It's, it's, these aren't guarantees. These aren't certainties, right? You know, I mean, if you look at 65 to 85, 15 out of 20 Mays, we're down, right? So that's a 20 year, 20 years, right? And uh, that included an inflationary period. And you could argue that we're in a relatively inflationary period right now. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. I, I don't think we can really say that any kind of, um, uh, the last few years necessarily are um, are indicative of what we can expect this year. What we can be pretty certain of is that summer volumes are usually pretty light, right, Chris? And when you have light volume, it's harder to buy and sell. So if it's harder to buy and sell, maybe you don't get the prices you want. And you know that that can that can make you know that can cause a problem or a headwind for stocks. Well, I, I think added to that, you, you do have those you know summer vacations, lighter trading desks, like you're alluding to. But like we were talking a few minutes ago, there's a lot of mixed messages here, right? There's not, a, you know, a clear sense of visibility on what earnings are likely to be in the back half of the year yet. We very well could see could see folks just say, "Look, I'm gonna I'm gonna bob and weave. Maybe I'll pick up stuff that I think looks, you know, cheap." But by and large, I'm gonna sit on the sidelines for for a little while longer until I have some incremental clarity, not greater clarity, just incremental clarity. It certainly speaks to the ideas for investor to trade around core. So you've got your core holding and you rally up uh, to the top of a range or towards a price target that you've predetermined. You've set this ahead of time. This is not something you're determining on the, on the fly. Uh, and then you trim that back in your core in your core holding. And then when we pull back to the lower end of the range, maybe buying some back because you're right. You know. Here's the one thing, though, that gets me nervous, Chris, right? It feels like everybody is talking about we're in a range. Uh, I think everybody's been talking about it for months. I mean, to his credit, Bob Lang brought this up, you know, not weeks ago, months ago that we were in, you know, 30, you know, at the time, I think it was 3,700 to 4,150. I think it shifted a little bit, 3,800 to 4,200. I know Helene has been talking about it. I know Doug has been talking about it. I know you've been talking about it. I know 
I've been talking about it. And I suspect Sarge has been talking about it too. So, you know, you are right, but I, I, I think that we're almost becoming conditioned. So, you know, the things that I ask in this kind of builds on the conversation that we were just having is what is it going to take to pierce on a sustained basis that 4,200 level? That is a good question. That's and why they, usually, usually, it, usually it's going to be improving earnings outlooks, right? right At this right. stage of the cycle. So right. again, it comes back to the earnings. We're going to have to watch and see what happens with revisions from here. I just I keep looking back and saying, okay, when 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 months ago Bob and Doug and Helene others had started talking about this range bound market, that was kind of unique. Mm -hmm. But now everybody is a believer that we're going to be range bound. Let me give you an example: the charter. Uh, market technicians who used to be the old market technicians association mta they just celebrated their 50th anniversary they had a big uh soiree and uh, i i think bruce kamich was there yeah in new york bruce was there and he shared a great video of people who have him or follow him on twitter go back and look at his twitter feed because there's a great video with uh ralph alcampora and uh luis yamada who are just like legends in um in technical analysis but anyways as part of that discussion they were doing a survey of different people who were there at the symposium. And the majority of them, again, said, I expect this to be a trading range. And, and it's just like, okay, if everybody expects the trading range, it maybe we don't stay in the trading range. Well, Doesn't necessarily yeah. mean we yeah. break out above the trading range. We could break out below the trading range. I don't know, but you know, the market does tend to hurt uh, the masses. And it feels yeah. like the masses are expecting us to continue to, to play nice within this very predictable range of selling strength and buying weakness. <laughs> yeah, this is something that Bob and I have been talking about. You know, when we write the weekly roundup for AAP, we, we of course look at a variety of things, also including where the VIX has moved during the week, right? Because it's the end of the week. Um, and, you know, several times in as many weeks, it's been hitting like, you know, lower, lower levels. And typically it doesn't really, you know, stay at these levels. It tends to indicate, you know, huge complacency in the marketplace. And, and I'm just wondering, Todd, if what you're talking to speaks about, a, you know, another view askew on potential market complacency that this is, this is what is expected. And at least for now, it'll be self-fulfilling until it isn't. Well, you know, Bob's way, way, way more in depth on the VIX. He's been following the VIX a lot, a lot more than I have. But one observation that I would have about the VIX is that once a trend is established, it's not rare for the for the VIX to bounce around between 10 and 20. So just because the VIX is between 10 hang and 20 on, doesn't on. necessarily mean that it's going to surge above 20 again. Right. But when was the last time the VIX was 10? Uh, I can tell you right now. <laughs> I think it's been a while. Uh, 2020, 2019. Matter of fact, it spent a significant amount of time in 2018 and 2019 um, in that 10 to 15 range. So in, the, in you know, not coincidentally, that was when the Fed paused and then ended up reversing course on interest rate policy. So once a trend establishes, I would expect that the VIX is going to normalize somewhere below 20. I'm not saying that that's where we are now, but I'm just saying that's something we have to consider. Mm -hmm. I think that we got used to seeing the VIX have these big spikes between, say, you know, 15 and 30. Um, and you buy when the VIX gets, you know, above 25 or gets towards 30. And, um, and that usually has worked out just like selling at 15 has worked out. Right. Um, but I just I, I I get a little bit nervous at this stage of the 
you know, we're how long are we? We're now 18 months into this craziness. Yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah, it's getting so, a little, you know, we just have to keep an open mind. I think we have so to keep an open mind. So let's let's just game this out, at least based on what we know thus far, recognizing that this is an evolving landscape as more data is had. So, you know, we're we're kind of coming out of this. Um, you know, we are where we are with the Fed funds rate. We're going to go meeting to meeting. We've got tighter credit ahead. We'll have that confirmed on May 8th, as we discussed. Um, earnings, we'll have to see. You know, we again, we probably won't have a good picture for the second half of the year until we get the start of June quarter earnings. So that's going to be, you know, mid-July, something like that. Um, we've got a Fed funds meeting coming, uh, sorry, FOMC meeting coming up in June. Not likely to see much because there won't be a lot of data one way or the other. Remember, Powell was saying they want to see you know, a, you know, a measurable amount of data before they call, what is it, five point, yeah, 500 to 525 basis points, sufficiently restrictive. They want confirmation of that. Um, so it, it sounds to me that at least in the near term, Todd, that perhaps this trading range is likely to, you know, remain with us for a couple months. But as we move into the second half of the year, we're going to have to, you know, well, while people are on vacation, you will, uh, you and I will be sitting back I hate I hate this expression because I don't use a pencil anymore, but sharpening our pencils and really, really taking a hard look at what's ahead for the second half of the year. Does that does that sound right? Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm staying very nimble, Chris. I, I don't know. I don't know where we're going to be in July or August. What I can tell you is this. I don't believe you should be on leverage right now. So if listener, if you're using margin, uh, just recognize that's a very that can be a risky proposition when you're have experienced high levels of uncertainty. You know, the toughest periods, Chris, as you know, to figure out, to make a decision on, uh, mm -hmm. it's not the short term where you're at, where you're trying to make a decision based on what you think might happen in a day or five days. It's not necessarily the long term. I mean, we, right. we can say 10 years out, okay. It's the intermediate term, right? It's that I, three to six month window. So so I, I just wanna, um, for the listener, let, let, let's just review Todd's time frame here. One day, one week, a couple months, a quarter, six months, a year, 18 to 24 months. So just so we're clear, that's where Todd is. Where Chris is with the AAP portfolio, we are on a rolling 12 to 18, 24-month time horizon. That's why, you know, I can, you know, I talked about this in today's Daily Rundown. You know, we've, we've got a couple positions that are beaten up, but we we are looking for the longer term opportunity, willing to suffer through the pain. Here I'm referring to um, some beneficiaries from various aspects of, of the Infrastructure Act, and we know that those funds are starting to flow. So my my time horizon is, is a little different than yours. Having said that, Todd, it is always great to understand what's going to drive the market in those shorter periods of time, because um, it allows us to think about you know, the data that we're getting and how the market, more importantly, is going to view that data. Right. And and to just continue to kind of pull on that thread that I was getting at with the intermediate being the most difficult point, you know, if you're a long-term investor, if you're uncertain about the intermediate term, it speaks to what you and I were talking about maybe two, two three weeks ago, which was you don't need to go all into a stock or a position oh, at no, once. No, 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 no. Plan right. it out. 100%. You know, this, 100%. since we don't know what we're going to be doing over the course and what the Fed's going to be doing over the course of the next few months, um, you know, take a more cautious approach. 
you you could very well be rewarded for it. I mean, sell in May and go away makes no sense necessarily, right? right? But what it can create is an opportunity for you to buy a percent here, a half percent there, another half percent later on, and then maybe fill out the position over the course of a span of months for that longer term play. 100%, and that's not, not to pat myself on the back, but that's something that we have done with AAP, and we, we've communicated that to members, especially with some of the newer positions that we are going to patiently build out the newer positions. And and what it what it really comes down to is, you know, if, if the stock falls below the cost basis that we've laid out, if the thesis is intact, we will, again, patiently add. If, on the other hand, we get positive data that points to um, the thesis playing out perhaps sooner than expected or accelerating quicker than, than thought, will we uh, move a little bit higher in terms of you know what we're willing to buy at? Yes, we will. And, and then there's always the outside. Like, for example, we, we've had Axon Enterprises in AAP for a while, made several buys, and now all of a sudden, effective uh, you know, Thursday morning before trading on May 4th, it gets added to the S&P 500. Now, that's an unexpected catalyst. It's a great catalyst to have because we know that everybody who mirrors the S&P 500 has to buy Axon shares. Great for us. But we, we just need to constantly you know, read the landscape and understand what the implications are. Absolutely. You know, zoom out a little bit. You know, it's very easy to kind of get, you know, focused on the day-to-day nitty-gritty uh, or the week-to-week nitty-gritty about what's happening in the market. Um, but, you know, beware of extrapolation risk, right? Yep. Beware of recency bias. Beware of these things that kind of work against you as an investor trying to make, you know, long-term decisions, you know, trying to attain your financial goals long-term. <laughs> uh, it's very... It's very easy to get swayed and knocked off your path, and you just sort of have to fight against that to stay on course. I agree, Todd. So, you know, usually we we try to end these with a a question, um, and I was really thinking about this, and it's so funny that you brought up this uh, shorter time horizon, because my question to you, Todd, is as we look out over the next three months, three months, what what is the one or two things that you're likely to focus in on um, and, you know, I understand that that puts us back into another earnings cycle. So you, you could talk about that, but what, what else might you be thinking is really the key thing to watch over the next three months? I'm going to be watching the same thing Powell's watching jobs, jobs, jobs. I, I okay. want to know what's going to happen with jobs because what happens with jobs is going to dictate policy. And what happens with Fed policy is going to, to, to tell us just how aggressive we can be as investors for 2024 and 2025. And it sounds like what you just, what we just discussed a minute or two ago, is uh, based on that. We'll know if we there is a rate cut in the back half of the year, even though right now it doesn't look likely. Yeah, I mean, so you know, listeners, the Jolts report, job openings report, that's what you're going to want to watch. You're going to want to watch the unemployment report when that comes out. You're just going to want to see whether or not this economy really is slowing down to a point where you know consumer spending could take it on the chin. Um, and the economy, you know, rolls over, or if you could get that soft landing that we're talking about. So on on that note, Todd, um, a lot of people don't talk about this, although I do. Um, it's the wage data that is released by ADP along with the National Employment Report. Um, you know, job stayers, annual pay increase 6.7%, you know, year over year. Job changers, and I I, I love the way they try to position this. Uh, it moved lower 
from 14.2% in, in March to about 13.2% year over year. You know, wow, big progress. I mean, look, look, it is progress, but I mean, not really meaningful in, in, in my thinking, especially in light of what we heard today. That sound you hear is is all of our listeners starting to get their paper resumes out. <laughs> <laughs> well, Todd, you what do you paint? You just dated yourself. <laughs> Nobody has a paper resume. See, you're sharpening pencils. I'm breaking out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What are you doing? I'm breaking out all are paper. you are you calculating PEs on an abacus? What are you doing over there? <laughs> yeah, yeah, Helene, I'm I'm there with Helene, you know, doing the the, the paper charts. No, no, no. Did you did you see her tweet? I I loved it. You know, I love I I think I think Helene is is wonderful, and I I love getting her insights. Um, but I I think I saw a tweet that she posted. Ooh, got new pencils. <laughs> uh, yeah there's there's, there's no, sh no uh, shortage of getting those in the supply chain <laughs> no 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 all right all right well let's leave it there todd let's try and go out on a good note uh members thank you for listening we'll be back with another aap podcast next week